Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of Kayfabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and I am joined, as always, by the... By no one. There is no one here today. The KG cast had to work to keep them lights on, boys and girls, and he could just not make it today. I just want it to be very clear that I am on vacation right now with another family. There are four children in my house and somehow I managed to be able to watch a three-hour-long show, keep notes, and to keep my scheduled date that I have committed to our diehard fan base. But the KG cast just could not be bothered. He just, he just couldn't be bothered. And now here we are. It's all Mr. Know-It-All today, a Mr. Know-It-All only exclusive show. It's Backlash 2020. We do miss the KG cast. We love him so much. Honestly, I'm proud of him for keeping his bills on. He's got to feed that family. He's got to feed that lady, feed that daughter. He is being a real man right now. And, uh, you know, even though we love his podcast, he's got to do what he's got to do. Hats off to him. I'm on vacation. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm soaking up the sun here in uh, Santa Rosa Beach, um, not California, Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Goodness gracious, guys. It's going to be a long show. By myself, it's going to be a rough one. But hey, before we get into WWE Backlash 2020, speaking of rough things, by the way, good lord. Before we get there, let's talk about last week's episode, NXT In Your House. Dude, I mean, look, we ran it into the ground how much we loved it, how much we put it over. I'm, I'm just going to give some like cliff notes here, just, uh, just from like the Twitter comment section. Uh, I can see that a few of you guys like the, uh, like, like, agreed with us as far as the Damian Priest Finn Balor thing. Uh, Damian Priest looked like a star for sure. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just kind of skimming through here. Lots of, I'm, I'm not going to call anybody out by name. Um, Adam Cole with the Pro commercial was incredible. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, let's just keep going here on these, uh, these mentions. Yeah. Okay. So you guys tended to like the Adam Cole Velveteen dream, like cinematic. Look guys. Okay. I, I really enjoyed the Firefly Funhouse. I wasn't one of those marks that marked out for, uh, for the Boneyard match, it wasn't really for me. Have to be for everybody. I mean, I understand the mentality there behind that, and the fact that that was, uh, you know, a, a big match. But to me, the idea that like every anytime you're in quarantine, you have to do these cinematic matches, um, just really bothers me. And and that that's kind of where we were last week with the whole Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole thing. Uh, moving on past that, though, I mean, uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Karrion Cross, you guys seem to both be on our same tip. I mean, Karrion Cross seems to be. Uh, you know, superstar of the future, and it feels like I wasn't alone. I thought I was, uh, but Io Shirai, you know, like going over in the main event seemed to be a pretty big deal, and it seems like you guys enjoyed it thoroughly. So without further ado, though, let's move on to this week's show. We had Backlash 2020. Man, uh, what can you say about this one? Um, the pre-show, let's just start it off there. Let's just start with that. Um, you know, you kind of had that, like, a uh, that, uh, talking smack or like, um, you know, you're trying to hold on to those remnants of Renee Young since you're not pushing her at all and you're putting her on like only Fox sponsored shows or Facebook live events. Uh, but you have, you know, JBL and Renee and Booker and, uh, you know, but you also had like, you know, Sanford and, and studio and it felt, it felt, it felt like you were forcing it. Honestly, to me, what's, what's weird is that you had, you know, one week prior, you have an NXT takeover, and you don't have it the same weekend, so at this point, you're, like, really competing, you know what I mean? Like, you have a real distinct, um, you know, you're really trying to make it work between uh, NXT and the main roster, and 
I feel like this pre-show was significantly worse. Uh, sure, it was 30 minutes longer. It was twice as long, but I really do feel like that first opening pre-show for NXT uh, at 30 minutes, just doing the packages and covering the angles quickly, um, and also kind of, you know, having good insight the way they shot it. Pat McAfee is always a gem anytime they have him on. And I, I'm not trying to devalue Booker or JBL. They are both uh, could be very valuable to the company still if they were on commentary roles or in different situations. But, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like, how many people really saw this? You know, you have Renee Young, you have Booker T, you have JBL, and you don't see them on the main show. Um, so... Uh, is that is that is that I mean I can only imagine what all three of them are getting paid per year and you have them on the pre-show and listen I understand that you have the whole Moxley issue and there's you know Renee with Moxley and it is what it is but like to just waste that contract and not really maximize those minutes for her and the talent that you have to me seems asinine at best um I, you know to me though I will say all right before we get too far into it the best part of this pre-show uh, was the Miz and Morrison and the Strowman angle. Uh, I mean, it's funny for sure. Like, I mean, the creative is, is, is kind of weak getting into it, but the music video. Okay, guys, if you haven't seen the Hey, 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 Ho, Ho, uh, it's, uh, it's like this 80s, um, you know, top 40, 80s, new wavy kind of pop um, music video but the the best part is that the production tried really hard to make it like a legitimate song um which makes it even funnier um and it's it, what's what's bad is that like sonically it's not a bad song um of course the singing is is atrocious at best but the comedy value in the song is top notch if you haven't checked it out yet hey exclamation point space hey hey ho ho uh, just search it on Spotify. You will you will enjoy it. The lyric content is fantastic. If you didn't see it, if you did, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. But the pre-show here, we had Andrade versus Apollo Crews for the WWE United States Championship. It's weird that it's uh, it's what Owens is involved in at this point. You know, I mean, he's in the WrestleMania main event against Seth Rollins, who's also not on the show, which blows my mind completely. Um, but here is where he is. He's on the pre-show. He went from, you know, that big bump off the sign, you know, the first ever, like, essentially empty arena mania, and he had a huge main event with Seth Rollins, and here we are, uh, you know, just two short pay-per-views later, and it's, he's in the U.S. title picture with Andrade and Apollo Crews on the pre-show. It just feels out of place. And again, I'm not saying that it's uh, anybody, any participant in the match as far as their work quality. All of these people that we're talking about are, are solid wrestlers, solid workers. Um, and the U.S. Championship does deserve some clout, but the fact that it's continually booked on pre-shows, the fact that uh, these wrestlers are, are continually booked on these pre-shows is, is the biggest problem here. Um, I mean, it was just kind of a bummer to see it, you know what I mean? Like, Because I feel like this deserved to kind of be on the main show. Uh, the match was short. It wasn't bad at all, but it's a, it's a pre-show match, you know? It, it, it's, it's short. I mean, everybody involved did their part, and it kind of advanced the storyline, but it's still a pre-show storyline, so it's like, how much more can you get invested in it? Um, if it meant more, it would be on the main card, as sad as it was. I give it a, a star and a half just because it was a quick thing. Uh, and again, everybody involved deserves, um, you know, even more shine than they're getting, essentially. Uh, but yeah, then we got a package for Sheamus and Hardy. 
Uh, man, and the angle, like, the angle there is really rough to me. It's a little too close to home. I feel like any time you've ever done sobriety angles in wrestling, it's never been good, you know? Uh, I mean, we go back to, um, you know, Scott Hall, uh, Jake the Snake in the early 90s in WWF, uh, Scott Hall in WCW, Hawk um, in the beginning, 97, 98, the beginning of the Attitude Era. Uh, it's, it's just never been good, you know? And, and, and it feels, I understand the idea behind it. Like, let's get it right. Let's, let's invoke that emotion uh, but they do it so cheesy and so unbelievable that, that when you use something so real life in such a cheesy format, uh, it makes a parody of the real life situation. And that's the problem. You know, I feel like that's the issue that, that most of us fans kind of have with this is that it just doesn't feel like it fits right. Um, but yeah, man, jumping into the main card here after that after that uh, that promo package, we also had the the women's tag team championships triangle match that's coming up here. And uh, man, it, it got a lot of coverage on the pre-show, and I'm good. I'm, I'm really happy to see the iconics. I'm good to finally see the iconics on my TV screen again, especially versus Banks and Bailey. I mean, you can say what you want. They they they're quote unquote not a tag team or whatever, but like. I mean, Sasha Banks and Bailey have been wrestling for years and years and years. They have a chemistry that's undeniable. Whether you like their storyline um, or not, which I don't, um, but I feel like the in-ring chemistry between those two teams is great. And you have Bliss Cross, which is essentially a more, uh, you know, WWE quote-unquote superstar style. Um, you know, I know Nikki Cross could have been an indie darling, but she's switched over to being a more... TV personality, and that's what Alexa Bliss has kind of always been. She's always been, uh, not that she can't work, I'm not saying that, I'm not disparaging her in-ring talent, but she's been more about her character, period, than about the in-ring match. Uh, and I feel like everybody else in this contest was way more about the in-ring match. And so it, was, it really wasn't bad. I mean, the whole storyline kind of felt clustered up for sure. Uh, but, the, but honestly, the action was pretty tight. Uh, and considering how convoluted the rules were with, like, you could only tag your own partner, uh, the quick win for the retain made sense to me here. Uh, it w again, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad. Uh, it was just kind of there. Uh, so I gave it two and a half stars. Um, you know, we'll have to we'll have to see in the comments what the KG cast gave it. Maybe you might get on a on an Instagram live and respond to the podcast. I feel like that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but the package for Sheamus and Hardy again just feels gross. Uh, it just yeah, there's another package there, and there we have it. It's Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. Um, man. All right, look, the one thing that I have to kind of say here before we get too far in is that, like, I have nothing against Sheamus. I feel like he's, he's contributed a lot to the business. He's been on top when he needed to be on top. He's kind of, he's kind of uh, you know, filled that. He's been that stopgap, you know what I mean? Like, he's been the guy that wasn't, um, you know, the main star, but really filled the in-between moments. He was believable enough. He's not going to be a long-term draw for you, but he's going to be the guy that gets you from point A to point B. That being said, you also have Jeff Hardy, who has, you know, been kind of notorious for having his situations happen. So, so when, you, when you pull up this whole thing into a gimmick, it feels awkward. But I can say that the in-ring match was not bad. It really wasn't. It does feel weird that, you know, Sheamus is the one here with a match, but Cesaro isn't. As if, like, Sheamus is somehow better on the mic than Cesaro, which is certainly not true. Um... Either way, it does, I mean, Jeff looks significantly better here than he has in years. Um, and again, the match, like, technically was pretty good. It, it did drag in a couple spots, but for the most part, it was pretty solid. Um, it felt like some, like, this whole show felt like some nostalgia, like, 
a nostalgia show for the decade. Like this, this pay per view had like Edge and Orton, and then MVP and Lashley, but as a pair, and then also Miz and Morrison. It, it just it's it, 2010 was very strong on this show for sure. It's felt like, it's like we had that in your house thing where they, they had the nostalgia from the 90s, but this backlash show was very 2010 strong overall. Uh, there was a bit of a botch off the top rope that they did kind of re- they did recover pretty well, and, and it was definitely too long for the whole Hardy and Sheamus deal. Um, I mean, it was a good match overall, but there were a few stutters, and it was definitely not a show stealer. Uh, Sheamus got the win after two bro kicks, which made sense to me. Uh, it didn't really bury Jeff, but it also didn't really you know blow Sheamus to the moon either. I also gave this match about two and a half stars. You know, not good, not you know. A little bit slightly better than average or average. I'd actually, I'd just say about average. About average at best. Um, not even anything to say against the, the competitors, but, you know, for the time they had, it should have been better, to be honest. They, they had a lot of time, and it felt really drawn out. Um, speaking of drawn out, man, the next, uh, the next segment here, we had Otis with a little moment between Miz and Morrison. You know, if... If Miz and Morrison won their championship and Otis had to be the one to cash in his money in the bank, it might be tonight. And anytime that, I mean, first of all, I mean, we're already selling a, a pretty lame main event here with Miz and Morrison. We all know that you're really just trying to further storylines. There's not going to be any ending to any storyline because Braun and Eminem is not strong enough, you know, to really stand on its own. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was what it was. Um, Anyway, the next match on the card here is match number three. It's Nia Jax versus Asuka for the WWE Women's Championship. Uh, and Nia dominated the majority, and, you know, Asuka had her big comeback. This this match felt very, um, it felt very, 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 very rehearsed to me. It felt very much like they were doing this match um, in the Performance Center. And without without a crowd there, it felt like they were they were just going through the choreography and in no way trying to, uh, you know, attempt to, to get you to suspend your disbelief. Um, and that's an issue to me, you know, um, it just felt like, I don't know how to explain it. It just felt like they were going through the motions and it wasn't bad. The, the motions weren't bad. The motions weren't bad. It's just that, you know, we've been doing this quarantine thing for a while, and you can still tell the people that at least if they can't play to the crowd, they play to the camera better. And they're still trying to invoke emotion, um, you know, in a time where pro wrestling could very well die or at least, you know, get very small during this time until we get to a point where arenas are open again, which might be a very long time. Um, and so, you know, with, with all that being said, I, I just felt like they under-delivered here for sure. Um, and they underdelivered from me, and and you guys know how I feel about Asuka and Nia Jax. I mean, under delivery for me, it just means that it didn't work out. The whole match just wasn't really good. It felt like a big rehearsal that just didn't pan out. I gave it a full dud. Um, again, you know, I'd be very anxious to hear the KG cast get on our live Instagram and uh, give his thoughts on this as well. Uh, I feel like that'd be pretty cool. But yeah, uh, moving on here, we had a really weird promo from Lana and MVP. Uh, and I, I mean, I I feel like this pay-per-view is not even a pay-per-view. This is just what Raw used to be. It's just like a bunch of storylines kind of getting to a point where they can all advance, but nothing really closes. 
that, for, at least for the storylines that we have going, or we have these in-between storylines that are literally just getting us from a four-week span to another four-week span. Um, and that's going to go right into our next match here. It's Eminem, it's Miz and Morrison versus Braun Strowman for the WWE Universal Championship. The gimmick here is, is that either one of the people that pin Braun uh, will become the Universal Champion. Um, man, this is purely a gimmick match to keep Braun uh, as a monster. Um, and the idea that Eminem could could have a split like Universal Championship is interesting enough to like have the bait. You know, it's not it's not like a full squash thing because like the idea behind it is like, oh well, you know, maybe it seems like a long shot, but maybe they would go Miz and Morrison and, and just you know have a few months of quarantine storylines with those dudes trying to figure out who the real Universal Champion was. I feel like that that would be entertaining. So, you know, the, the idea that, hey, maybe this Braun thing isn't going to work out or maybe they want to give it to him when they're doing the whole stadium thing again, uh, you know, it crossed my mind. And, and, that, and that, makes, that makes it valuable enough for me to invest in it. Um, and, you know, we all knew it wasn't going to be a Matt Classic, right? We all knew it wasn't going to be some, like, big, great, you know, technical, psych- psychological match where the selling makes sense and every spot is awesome. That just, that wasn't what it was. But I did enjoy it for what it was. You know, Braun is a great strong man. He is more athletic. Uh, you know, he's the modern day, like, early 90s Vader, like 93 WCW Vader. Like, could move very quickly, but also a monster. Um and pretty good technical skill. I'd say Braun is, is is right up there for sure. If you give him more opportunities to actually wrestle, I feel like he will surprise surprise us all. Uh, but yeah, there were there were like a few false finishes, and Miz kind of pulling off Morrison made sense, and Braun getting the win uh, w- while also planting the seeds to break up Miz and Morrison. I mean, that's dude. Honestly, overall, that's good booking. It really is. I mean. It was a good way to advance the storyline. It's a good way to keep Braun strong. It's a good way to keep, you know, to kind of like progress Miz and Morrison into something uh, long term. Um, but again, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm going to be the repeating donkey here. But, you know, match number four for me, Eminem versus Braun Strowman, I gave it two and a half stars. Uh, not, not great. Um, not bad. Uh, just kind of there. Uh, it kind of served its purpose, kind of prolonged the situation. Um, but here we are. Let's just move on to the next segment here. It's a high package for Lashley and McIntyre. Um, and I do like the way they've been using Lashley in the ring, at least. I like the whole, like, you know, super savage, uh, full Nelson thing that they're doing. And I think MVP and Lashley could easily be, like, a 2020 Heyman Lesnar if they really push them the right way. I think there's enough, enough tread on the tires there. And I think that they both are believable. Um, I think it's a... I think it'd be awesome to push them as just like an unstoppable manager uh, client team for sure. Um, but yeah, moving on here, before we get too far, you know, left in the show, I just have to say a few things, guys. Like, yeah, we just had that NXT in your house that we, me and Cass, like, you know, pretty much jeweled over. And here we are. It's, it's, a, it's a main roster show. There's no Daniel Bryan. There's no AJ Styles. There's no Seth Rollins. What is happening? I mean, someone tell me. Like, what, what, is, what is happening with this show? Like, I don't... Wh- how is this not just, like... Not even, like, a SmackDown. How is this not just, like, superstars on, like, live on YouTube? It just... I mean, seriously. Like, uh, granted, sure, you have, like, you have top-notch talent here. But it's, it's like the weird matches get the long amount of time. Wait, wait, wait for it. We're at a certain point in the card. So that... As far as where we are on the card... There's been a lot of time for these matches that haven't really deserved 
you know, where, they, where they've been on the card, or they've just been way too early. Like, first of all, Braun Strowman doesn't have to d defend the Universal Championship just because. I mean, I feel like you guys forgot that you just had Brock Lesnar that never defended the title. So, like, he doesn't have to be on the card. Rollins has been a staple of your character-driven television for months and months and months. That dude... And what happened to Buddy Murphy? Why is he not on the show? Like, you guys got to stop just, like, dropping these random pushes. Like, that dude is incredible. Please push him. Like, he's really good. But anyway, let's just dive right into the match here, man. It's Bobby Lashley versus McIntyre for the WWE Championship. I like the pre-attack for the show, too. Like, the, the attack before the match. Um, I like the heat Lashley has. Um, I like the aggression. I like MVP as the manager. I really hope they just get away from Lana soon because I feel like they're still digging him out of the hole that was the Lana and Rusev thing. And I do feel like, but I feel like MVP and Lashley could really work. And I think Lashley, if he doesn't ever talk, is perfect. Uh, I think he's a he's got a, an amazing physique, an amazing look. His facial intensity is there. His act, his like. It's, it's just his dialogue. He just can't speak. But it's not that he's not like, he's a capable worker all the way around. He can sell. Um, I mean, he, he has great facial expressions. He just can't talk. And that's what kills his feuds. It's what kills his matches. Um, it's just not, it's just not really quite there. Um, but yeah, once they got the bell ring, man, there, there, was, there was a few scary, there was a couple botch spots. One of them was kind of scary on the outside of the ring. But man, the bump against the ring post was stiff as hell too. The vicious bumps on the outside for sure. Sloppy, definitely, but hard hitting. And when you have a guy like Lashley and McIntyre in there, I'd rather it be hard hitting and a little bit sloppy and it make more sense to me. Um, and it sucks that Lana kind of cost him the match. Honestly, this 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 would have gotten a much better rating for me uh, if it had not been the whole Lana thing. Like they just got to get rid of her, man. Like, look, and I think Lana's great. I just feel like you can't fire Rusev and just kind of keep Lana on. It's not going to work out for you, and it's just not going to work out for her. So you might as well just go ahead and eliminate her from the storyline altogether. Uh, but yeah, I can go ahead and let you guys guess what it is. It's been the same pretty much rating that I've given for every match. It's been two and a half stars. Not great. Uh, not really good. Not 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 bad, though. Uh, average. About average. I'd say about average. I feel like everything here kind of prolonged the storyline. Literally everything here. Now, now McIntyre got free. Sure, like it didn't prolong his storyline. But the finish prolonged the Lashley and Lana storyline. Uh, I mean, you know, Braun Strowman didn't really, you know, it just made him look strong, but it prolonged a storyline for Miz and Morrison. Uh, I mean, we can go, you know, we go on and on. I mean, and that's, 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 that's how the whole thing felt. But then we got to the next segment here. Okay. I want everybody to come in close. Because I'm seeing very polarizing reviews on this match. And... Guys, I don't, I don't really know where to begin here. Um, you know, I loved War Machine. I love the Viking Raiders, whatever you want to call them in WWE. Um, I think that the Street Profits are an amazing tag team, and I think that they've gotten more push because they're more of a character tag team, um, and it's topical. And WWE just sucks at doing tag team wrestling, period. They're just not good at it. I don't care. No one can sell me on it. They haven't been good in at least 15 years, if not 20 years. Um, so, 
all that being said, I'd say it probably I'd say tag team wrestling in WWE probably died in WWF in 2001. By the time we were 2002 and on, I don't think tag team wrestling has been great on the main card. Uh, I mean, it's been good in, in NXT. I mean, uh, we had the Revival. We had uh, even Blake and Murphy, when they were a tag team, was were fantastic. Um, uh, you know, Authors of Pain did great. Uh, the Ascension was, was, a, was a big tag team at that time, too, during the, the NXT days. Um, but it's like once you get to the main roster, American Alpha, another one, uh, once you get to the main roster, though, they just don't, they just don't hold out, and I, I just don't think that Vince cares enough about them. Uh, he cares more about the characters, you know. Like I mean, the 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 NXT um, the NXT side is, is is has been just like led predominantly currently by you know the undisputed era, whereas the main roster has pretty much been the Usos and New Day, and with you know other people revolving in. So that's the way the main roster has always kind of been since for the past twenty years. It's been like maybe two or three solid tag teams, and that's it. And they just kind of rotate. Um, and so it's right now it's, you know, it's New Day and the Usos. Those are pretty much the only two major qualified tag teams on the main roster now. Um, yeah, and it's just sad, man. It's just sad to be in that situation, you know, because now we have this whole, this whole thing with the Street Profits and the War Raiders. And I think they're both, like, worthy tag teams. But we have, this is our next victim of the so-called cinematic curse, you know. You have, you know, another smash windshield for Braun Strowman to start off the whole thing. Uh, and the whole thing is just cinematic, and all, there was awful music behind it too. Uh, it was so sad it, to me. Honestly, it felt I felt sad to see War Machine be so comedy driven. Uh, you know, the Viking Raiders, War Machine, whatever you want to call them, to be so to be in a segment that was so comedy driven just felt um, awkward at best to me, dude. The bowling ball nut shot. I just want to let that simmer. The bowling ball nut shot. No one can like that. Literally, no one can like that. There's no, there's no way around that. Like, that's like, it, it was just not good at all. Um, I absolutely hated it. Uh, it just, it was not for me. You know, the whole like Ninja Turtle segment that they had. Listen, man, like I can understand the entertainment value behind it, but and I get that, and I can understand people being like, okay, well, the match itself is great, right? Like, it's funny, it's awesome. I'm glad I witnessed it. Cool. But it diminished both of these tag teams literally forever moving forward. They will be the tag teams, at least in my eyes, they will be the tag teams that did this. It's going to be hard for me to get behind, um, you know, a revival, you know, a revival versus American Alpha level tag team match from either one of these tag teams. I'm never going to feel like they're actually capable to really carry a next level tag match, at least not the Street Profits. I know I've seen it with the Viking Raiders and, and ROH, but... Man, this was just not for me. And having Tozawa out there too, man, Jesus in heaven. This was just, I, I absolutely hated this. I gave it negative five stars. And that's, that's the most negative thing I've ever given anything, ever. I'm honestly kind of choked up about it. Like it just, it, it really bothers me that we, that we have, have allowed this to happen, that, that we haven't been vocal enough as a fan base to kind of like push the tag team division into at least a, a, a moderately decent way. I mean, we had, we had, you know, Anderson and Gallows for years and did nothing with them, guys. We did nothing with them on the WWE side. Like, that's insane to me. I really hope that AJ, too, just, like, doesn't resign and goes and works for AEW for a, few, a couple years and does the actual Bullet Club. Um, or maybe even just goes back to Japan for a year or so. Yeah, man, overall, though, this whole Street Profits versus the War Raiders was just trash to me. I give it negative five stars. The worst thing I've ever seen. And here we are, guys. 
we're at the main event of the evening. Uh, before we get too far in, I just want to preface by saying we had this match was being billed by legends as the greatest wrestling match of all time. Um, first of all, <laughs> where do I begin? Um, how do you how how can you how can you have a worker that is renowned even on a casual level as having a guy who is a main event legend but is only there when he really wants to be there and then you have another guy that's been retired for almost a decade and you build their second match together as the greatest wrestling match of all time their second all right their second match together in this storyline like anybody give me an answer Cass, give me an answer on Instagram Live. Yeah, you can't. There's, there's no way around that, man. I mean, I, I felt like I gave you a solid amount of time to just kind of like think about it. But yeah, either way, it was just there's, there's no way you can do anything with that. Um, and uh, it was overbilled. I mean, look, I love Edge. And I do think that Orton is great bell to bell. I don't like his character. I don't like the fact that he, to me, he's the opposite of CM Punk. He is literally the polar opposite. He's the guy that's like fluid just by his natural God-given ability. I feel like that dude could have never even been trained and could have woken up and just knew how to work properly in the ring and, and be smooth um, and not have to try. Whereas you have a guy like CM Punk who just tried as hard as he could, and that's why he is what he is. Uh, it wasn't because of his athletic ability and anything he's ever done. He's not athletic in any way, shape, or form. Um, he just tried really hard, and he practiced a lot and became a great wrestler. And then that's and that to me is what I feel with Edge. You know, we we've seen him since the beginning, since the, you know, since the the Brood, and since you know the late '90s, and the you know the TLCs and the Hardys and the Dudleys, and you know him and him and Christian, and and everything that he did with Hogan, and uh, you know moving on to be the Rated R superstar. The dude's had a you know historic career for sure, but he's been off for ten years, and the last match we saw was pretty cinematic, right? So then we're going to build this whole thing. Greatest wrestling match of all time. It's going to be in the ring. But again, in quarantine. So it's... Man, the fact that they just did the whole thing is like the greatest show on earth with like the MSG like microphones, but no one talking in front of them. No one talking in front of them. What is that? Like, how, like how can you do that? How, how, can you, how can you find that acceptable? Um, it just, it felt real bad, man. Like the, like the big superplexes and stuff they did, you could tell they had the actual cameraman in the ring, and there was like music underneath the commentary. It's, like, dude, guys, like this one to me felt the most like the Lucha Underground stuff though. Like like when they were doing the actual daytime TV soap opera Telemundo style like Lucha stuff. Like this is what that felt like because it was like it felt like a real match with commentary, but there was also music in the background, and it felt like some piped in noise for sure in the crowd. Uh, and you could tell the guys were, were hustling. Look, I'm not trying to take away from Edge and Orton. To be completely honest, if this had been in front of a, an actual crowd, uh, it probably would have been fantastic. It pro I, I probably would have e eaten it up. I probably would have rated this super high. And so I, I, I'm trying to keep my mind open with that. But the production itself just made this whole thing so bad. Uh, it just didn't, it didn't register to me at all. It felt very forced. It felt very... Um, man, it just felt very 
manufactured, if that makes sense. It, even more so than like the cinematic matches, because it felt like they were just trying to put cinematic angles into an in-ring thing, because they still had the crowd there, but they piped in noise, and that really, you know, that has to bother you. It just, it, it, it's not the same, man. Like, you might as well just make it a segment. Make it another bar fight, make it whatever, or just have a match the way you had, like, Owens and Rollins at Mania. It was just a match. It was just a match and commentary in an empty arena. Like, I feel like you could have done more with with that, honestly. I felt like it would, I felt like this entire match, even as long as it was for, like, almost an hour, uh, it would have been significantly better had it just been a match, man, and not been like some weird cinematic half-and-half half hybrid. Um, overall, I felt like I'm, I'm pretty much giving a lot of these matches that qualify the same rating, and I gave it two-and-a-half stars. It wasn't good. Uh, it was average at best, um, you know, maybe slightly below. Uh, but Randy getting the win with the punt, man, it just, man, thumbs down overall for me from this show. Uh, again, average at best, uh, you know, less than average if you're really being critiquing it. Um, some of this was the worst things that I've ever seen in a pay-per-view. Um, so that being said, man, I mean, I feel like this whole thing was just not worth watching. You know, this is going to be a shorter show here, too, because it's it's just this side of, uh, this side of the table. But, man, I just... I would not encourage you to watch anything from this show, really. Uh, I felt like it was a waste of time. I feel like we're getting to a point now, um, even more so than we have been, to where these interim pay-per-views are essentially just becoming uh, ways for the more dedicated or more serious marks or fans to watch these shows and not have to watch Raw or SmackDown. Uh, I mean, I know at this point I'm watching that that you know network exclusive show just like this week in WWE. That's what I watch for the main roster stuff now. I don't I don't watch Raw or SmackDown regularly. I just watch Dynamite and I just watch NXT. But I do watch both of those shows regularly. So to me, I have a different a whole different competition there. Um, but yeah, man. Before we get too far into this, I'll give some space here for the KG Cast to kind of give you guys his rundown on the Instagram vibe. But that's it for us, man, for sure. Thanks for sticking with us. We're going to be next week here. We're doing the first ever Kayfabe Comparisons Happy Hour. We're both going to get um, specialty craft six-packs. Uh, we're going to have ten questions each. We're not going to talk to each other about these questions. Uh, we're just going to run down uh, you know, one at a time. And if you get the question wrong, you have three drinks of your beer. If you get the question right, the person that asked you has to take three drinks of their beer. We will also be taking points. So at the end um, of the trivia from either side, there will be um, whoever lost the trivia game will have to finish their entire six-pack on the air. I'm super, super excited about that. It's going to be a fun one for sure. Uh, and the week following is our wild card week. It's going to be a pop culture episode for sure. Um, I think we're going to start doing a, a new movie series, a new uh, 80s, 90s movie series that we're going to start talking about, uh, maybe one against one. I'm really excited to announce that one. Be sure to look out for that one on our Twitter. You can always follow us on our socials at kfabecom, K-A-Y-F-A-B-E-C-O-M. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer. He is not here, but he is the KG Cast Lush. Uh, be sure to hit him up on Twitter and tell him how much of an asshole he is. Well, we'll see you guys next week with the first ever K-Fave Comparisons Happy Hour. We are out. Peace.